This is our podcast, our only podcast. We bring you crack pots not made of clay. You are our listeners, for that we love you. Please listen to us once a day. Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page, eight, 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 this is page 826. There was a crowd gathered at the foot of the stone hill by the time I arrived. More than a hundred people. Gray homespun and muted colors vastly outnumbered mercenary red, and the low murmur of the crowd's conversation was audible from a distance. The hill itself wasn't particularly high, nor was it steep, but the path to the top cut back and forth in a series of switchbacks. At each corner, there was a wide, flat space with a large block of gray stone. There were four corners, four stones, and four red-shirted mercenaries. At the top of the hill stood a tall gray stone, familiar as a friend. Beside that stood a small figure in blinding white. As I came closer, I caught a smell drifting on the breeze. Toasted chestnuts. Only then did I relax. This was pageantry of a sort. While stone trial had an intimidating sound to it, I doubted very much that I was going to be brutalized in front of a milling audience while someone sold roasted nuts. I entered the crowd and approached the hill. I could see it was Shaheen next to the greystone. I also recognized the heart-shaped face and the long, hanging braid of Penthe, at the third stone. The crowd parted gently as I walked to the foot of the hill. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a blood-red figure rushing toward me. Alarmed, I turned and saw it was none other than Tempe. He hurried toward me, gesturing a broad, enthusiastic greeting. I fought the urge to smile and shout his name, settling instead on a gesture of joyful excitement. He came to stand directly in front of me, gripping me by my shoulder and jostling me around playfully as if congratulating me. But his eyes were intense. Close to his chest, his hand said, deception, where only I could see. Listen. He spoke quickly under his breath. You cannot win this fight. Don't worry. Reassurance. Shaheen thinks the same, but I might surprise you. Tempe's grip on my shoulder grew painfully tight. Listen, he hissed. Look who is at the first stone. I looked over his shoulder. It was Carceret. Her eyes were like knives. She is full of rage, Tempe said quietly, gesturing fond affection for the crowd to see. As if your admittance to the school was not enough, you have been given her mother's sword. That piece of news knocked the wind out of me. My mind flickered to the final piece of the Atas. Laryl was Carceret's mother? I asked. Tempe ran his right hand affectionately through my hair. Yes, she is in. End of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jeremy. And as Jordana might uh, say, this is very exciting. Yes, extremely exciting. I love the uh, the double talk that Tempe does. This evokes the time when they were walking in the woods and Tempe was was double talking as it warning them about potentially being followed. And he, yeah, I think he did the same thing where he gestured deception very, very quietly. And then also he does like a very broad gesture of affection, which is is funny. I wonder how often this this happens. And I wonder if this actually speaks to like a predilection for subterfuge that the that the Adem might actually have. I mean, you can see why people might have that prejudice about them even. Yes, you could see um, that. This whole sequence that's coming up is a great like climax for for the Adem section of the book because it starts to weave in all these threads of different things he's learned, different uh different elements that have been foreshadowed or set up start to pay off. And like Tempe is one of them. We haven't seen Tempe in like many chapters. It's almost funny to me thinking about it that he both didn't even think to look for Tempe when he like didn't know what was going on on the last page. 
Um, well, Tempe has been conspicuously absent, and I actually want to talk about that. They were basically like forbidden from talking to each other, right? Like Tempe was like, "I'm gonna have to go away and like not talk to you for a while." Exactly, and I, I guess that's been rescinded, or at least Tempe is like willing to risk it at this point. Now that Quoth is into the school, yeah, exactly. uh, it's now okay for him to see him. But like, he wasn't even at his at the party that they mm-hmm. that Penty threw for him, right? I thought that was odd. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. I, one may, possible explanation for that is that maybe they didn't invite Tempe because they don't know that Quoth and Tempe are friends, and because Tempe is like a loser, Adam, that they don't like. They didn't. <laughs> yeah, maybe him. they all think that Tempe sucks, and they just don't want him around. <laughs> which which sucks because Tempe is not a loser. He's very cool, actually. Once you get to know him, um, but also I think that Quoth has drastically misinterpreted what is going on when he's like, oh, I smell toasted chestnuts. It's fine. This is probably just a pageant. It's like a kid getting baptized. There's no real stakes here. I'm not, I don't really have to risk anything. They're not going to mangle me while I'm toasting chestnuts. And frankly, I think that's pretty naive. People love to eat snacks and watch people get brutalized. That's what football is. That's what gladiator fights are. That's what like, pro wrestling is like Quoth and Quoth is like I think he's a little too confident in having been accepted by certain people in this society I don't think he understands how many of them feel the way Carceret does that they uh would like to see him get the shit kicked out of him yeah I I think you're right I mean maybe there's a difference in the vibe when you're there for an actual blood sport um, but I think that Quoth is, as you say, a little bit confident that this is like the same as, as a trooper's pageant, essentially. Uh, I don't know. I, I definitely, cause like Quoth is no stranger to blood sport. Like there's the bear baiting, obviously. And there's the people who showed up for the whipping. Pretty sure they were also selling nuts at the whipping, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, I just think he's like woefully naive. This, cause he also says, even if he wasn't about to fight Carceret, he says to Tempe, Shaheen also thinks I'm going to lose, but I might surprise you. Well, maybe you won't, Quoth. Like, your only <laughs> sparring partner up until now has been a little girl who kicked your ass more often than not. What are you, like, what are you talking about? That's so true, actually. Quoth really does think extremely well of himself. When he... <laughs> like, and I do too. I love Quoth. Quoth did nothing wrong. But his overconfidence is his weakness at this point. Um, But also, uh, we get an answer to a mystery that was raised a couple of chapters ago, which is why is uh, Vashet so hesitant to give him the sword that ends up being the sword that's right for him? And it's not because it's particularly sacred. It's not because it has like a special destiny. It's because it like the last person to wield it was Carceret's mother. uh, And Carceret was presumably extremely dead. Yes, uh, because Quoth tells us that like nobody in this lineage like died happy, surrounded by their grandchildren, and I'm sure that Carceret expected that when she did her trial and chose her sword, that that's the sword that she would get, and it wasn't. So, Carceret, I think, is probably operating from a place not only of this barbarian is defiling my culture, but also jealousy. Mm-hmm. And also, like this barbarian is now part of my mother's story. Mm-hmm. And if this you is... put any credence in my theory that the wielders of the sword are indistinguishable from the sword itself and like the story of the sword, then this mm-hmm. is probably an even greater affront to Carceret that now her mother's story is inevitably linked with Quoth. And this is a familiar beat from martial arts fiction too. Like if 
You have the stranger from a strange land who comes to the martial arts school and becomes really good at it. There's always the previous like star student of the school who hates them and uh, will stop at nothing to like prove that they don't belong. And like that's Carceret to a T. Yes. We also one wonders why they put Carceret on the first stone here. Is he the only student of the first stone available? Uh, I. I get the sense that if Shaheen could have stopped her, she would have. Uh, and so I get the sense that it's not up to Shaheen. I get the sense that like they maybe ask for volunteers from each rank of the stone. And yeah, I'm sure Carson was like, it, ooh, ooh, pick me. And she was like, oh, I can't say no to that. I guess it doesn't matter because it is a, uh, you know, it is for the story and it makes sense. Although I do have a nitpick here. Uh, a bit of a teleportation issue. Shaheen discovers for perhaps the first time that like any Sajin is the first person in the whole of of uh Hert to learn that Quoth is eligible to do his stone trial. And so she says, okay, well you better go straight to the stone hill, uh east of the baths. Hurry, she says. Uh, and then when Quoth arrives, there's already a hundred people there, more than a hundred people there, and Shaheen is waiting at the top of the hill. So Quoth hurried there Shaheen beat him there and also had time to spread the word and get over a hundred people to arrive at the stone at the hill to watch the fight. I feel like that's a bit of a, uh, I'm going to call that a, a Cinemasins ding plot hole. Uh, well, you know what? Shaheen says, go, I have much to prepare before then, like basically after breakfast. And she's not the first person to know Magwin is. And what's to say that Magwin didn't uh, ring the bell and let everybody know, hey, the barbarian finished his thing. His stone trial's coming up. All right, fine. I'll allow it. I if still think Magwin it's a does sus. not like him, what's the, what's yeah, to say no. that she's not on Carceret's side? What's to say that she's like, I bet if I can play this right, Carceret will get a chance to kick this annoying barbarian's ass. Yeah, maybe. And also I'll allow that. Shaheen does say, I have to prepare, so go. I'll take some time. Mm -hmm. And she goes off and does it. We also get some interesting clues about the ADEM culture here in terms of like the stones. So there's five ranks and the fifth rank, the top rank that Shaheen is standing at is the gray stone, not just like a regular old stone. Yes. Interesting. eh? that the gray stones hold the, the place of prominence. Mm -hmm. Much to think on much to ponder. Indeed. I think it's surprising that like they never walked by this and Shaheen never said, Oh, or, you know, not Shaheen Bashit never said, yeah, there's where the stone trials or even Quoth like never noticed, Hey, there's a, a conspicuous hill with a graystone on it right next to the baths, a place I've been fairly often. Mm. Uh, you'd think that this would be like a moment that they could have a bit of foreshadowing or Quoth like looks at and makes a comment on the, the curious uh, hill. But, but then we don't get this excitement of like, Oh, what is this place? What's going on? I guess so. I, I would have had like him notice it and then sort of have that be a dangling question and then have it come back here and we go, oh, this is what it's for. Well, he, he says the hill wasn't particularly high or steep, so it's not actually a particularly prominent feature of the landscape. So it might not even be a thing that you would notice unless you were like looking for it. Anything else on this page? I got nothing. All right, then why don't we mosey on? Yeah, I, I want to. I want to get to this fight. I'm pretty stoked on it. All right, this let's page do it. of what? Page of the wind. <laughs>